So um, we're going to jump right in. Before we do that, though, um, I want you to just pause and see if anybody gives you a word for somebody else. Now, Brian Fenimore is always a... Tr- he, I love Brian. And he, he doesn't mind missing it. And so tonight, if you miss it, it's okay. We're going to just practice just for a second. We'll just do words of knowledge. So I want you to just pause and just see if the Lord puts anything on you. You don't have to try to come up with something or, you know, and with a smaller group, your percentage is lower than if you have a huge crowd, you know, in, in coming up with that thing. But just see if the Lord puts anything on your heart, you know, where it might be a condition, it might be, you know, Brian does names, and uh, he'll say, does anybody know, a, you know, a, an Edith? Uh, he'll say, you know, first of all, is there an Edith here? Does anybody have a relative as Edith? Does anybody know an Edith? <laughs> so anyway, just take a minute. I'm just going to pause for about 10 seconds and see if you got anything. Okay, time's up. Anybody get anything? Just kind of raise your hand if you did. Okay. I see a hand right here in the front row. I see that hand. Go ahead. What'd you get? Well, I got one too, so... I'll, I'll, I don't feel bad. You want to just... Do you have a mic? Okay. Here, he'll bring the mic down. Cause, okay. Anyway, let me just say this. While she's, he's bringing the mic down, I just got that... Uh, I just felt a lot of peace when I was, you know, I was kind of laying down before the Lord and during the worship. It was great worship and... Just a lot of peace. And I felt like there was somebody here who has struggled recently not having peace. And it's kind of been a struggle. And, and actually, when you came in here, you got peace. I'm not necessarily going to pray for you, but I just want to see, did anybody feel like have, hey, you had a little trouble having peace lately, and yet you felt some peace tonight? Anybody? Okay. In the back. Very good. Okay. Well, we got one. That's good. So I feel good. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So I speak peace to you now. And in the midst of whatever you're going through, I thank you that the Lord's going to see you through it, and he's going to give you peace, even if the waves rise and the storm blows harder, you will have peace in Jesus' name. God bless you, Stephanie. Okay, go ahead. Okay, this was what I got for you. And if anybody else, if, you know, when you hear somebody give a word or a word of knowledge and it applies to you, grab it. Somebody doesn't have to point to you and ask if it fits for you. You can grab it. Go ahead. So this is what I got for you. I feel like you've been derailed, and God is redirecting your footsteps. Like the things of old sort of took you off course, and I feel like he's putting you on his course now. And all those other things are sort of falling off to the wayside. And it's just you and him walking out this purpose and this destiny and this direction that he has for you. But no longer derailed in Jesus' name. Good word. Okay. You're back on the rails again. That's good. <laughs> Especially if you're a locomotive. You want to be on the rails. Okay, I'll tell you, what, we're going to jump in, and uh, I just want to, are we getting an echo, or am I just hearing an echo up here? It's okay, good. Anyway, I can handle that. Um, I just want to say it's interesting, when I got saved, I was older, 
Uh, I went to church a few times when I was young, and my parents would go on Easter and Christmas. And, uh, you know, but the church I went to, there was no presence. Nobody ever got saved. Nobody, I mean, the church they went to, it just was dead. And um, I was very fortunate that when I first got saved, I went to a few different churches, and they were dead. I went to, uh, <laughs> I remember, I went to this church in the, right after I got saved. The couple that led us to the Lord, John and Suzanne Hunter, they moved, they were living in L.A. They moved, you know, they were just coming through. I was in Pacific Grove, which is right next to Monterey. Anyway, they were coming through. They led me to the Lord. They moved on. So I went to this church, and it was a really neat church. It kind of had glass, and it was in the Redwoods, and it was really dead. And then I went to another church. I looked in the phone book, and I thought, ah, Christian science. That seems like an interesting combination. <laughs> Well, it's funny, I, I found the address, I got there, and it was a funeral home. And even though I was a new believer, I thought, wow, this is not life. I mean, it was dead. You could tell, because, see, when you receive Jesus, you're born again, and your spirit comes alive. But I realized when I was there, I went, wow, this is not it. <laughs> it was, a funeral home was a very appropriate place for them to be meeting. Anyway, uh, I remember I ended up going down uh, to Big Sur, California, which was about an hour away, I heard about this church. It was a Grange Hall right on the river, on the Big Sur River. And I walked in, and there were people with long hair. By the way, I had long hair back then. <laughs> you can imagine me with any hair. But anyway, uh, there were people with long hair. There were people with short hair. There were people, I mean, just all kinds of people, you know. And, and it, it was really neat. And when I got there, you know, there was music, and people were dancing. And, I mean, it was really alive. And, and then when they would pray, the pastor would say, let's pray. And, People would pray, and I thought, boy, there must be a lot of foreigners here. Because people, <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I heard these different languages that people were praying in. I didn't know anything about speaking in tongues or anything about, you know, the Spirit or anything. I didn't know anything. I knew Jesus, and I thank God for that, but I didn't know anything else. And uh, so then I gradually, right away, I began to learn about this, and it was so amazing. This church, they'd have Sunday service, then they'd have a big potluck, right by the Big Sur River, and then the pastor would stay there till about 4 or 5 o'clock and just disciple us. And uh, it was so great. You know, I could ask questions. Okay, I was a Buddhist, and I meditated. Now what do I do? Well, you pray, you pray the Word. You, do, you know, anyway, it was very practical. Uh, and, you know, anyway, I won't go into any more detail. But uh, so I was introduced to the Spirit at a very early age. Uh, or not an early age. I was 28 and a half, or almost 29 by now. Uh, but I was introduced to the Spirit early in my Christian age, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a baby Christian. And I'm so grateful for that because later on, uh, when I went to Princeton Seminary, I went to a church in Princeton, and the, the, when they heard I spoke in tongues, they preached two weeks, in a, three weeks in a row on why tongues were of the devil and not of God. And so that confused me because I was still a fairly new believer. So it do just drove me into the Word. So not only did I have the, the, the wonderful opportunity of, of learning about the things of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, speaking in tongues, those kind of things, and the presence of God, which became very important to me, but also I learned that there are parts of the body of Christ that didn't believe. Like, I just thought everybody believed this way. And then I began to see that not everybody believed that way. So it really drove me into the Word, which was very, very helpful. And uh, so tonight, we're, gonna, we're just going to jump right in to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can follow. Um, I won't have it up on the screen, and I'm going to be using my 
iPad if it cooperates with me. Uh, so far, so good. Um, okay, and I'm going to be, I'm going to preach actually from the, I use different translations. I'm going to use the New King James tonight. And, uh, and so uh, I'm going to just dr- jump right in. Now, if you were here last week, Brian Fenimore did an excellent job, I thought, on prophecy. He took just the first three verses here. I'm going to read them again. And he showed the value of prophecy. Uh, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he or she who prophesies in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now, I want to just pause there for a minute. Uh, let me, before we go to the next verse, I want, I want to just ask you, what, as you kind of, maybe when you became a Christian and you began to go to church and you began to hear things, uh, tell me some of the things you heard about tongues. Anybody? What did you hear about tongues? Or maybe you didn't hear anything about tongues. You didn't hear anything about tongues. Okay. Anybody hear things? Demonic. Okay. What else? Yeah, they said you're making it up. Yeah, and the truth is, yeah, in the back. Okay, yep, yep, yep. So we've heard a whole gamut of things, but, but tonight I think this chapter is a very important chapter. The reason this, it's so important is because Paul was trying to correct the Corinthians. Now, the Corinthians were very zealous for the gifts of the Spirit, but they, they were off. One of the things they didn't understand was the difference between praying and speaking in tongues and the gift of tongues. Now, without spending a lot of time on this, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 and then verse 11, you'll find in that, in that that you'll find that it says that the gifts of the Spirit are for the benefit of others. So the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, they are for the benefit of other people. Now, I won't go through the nine list, but you can read that. 1 Corinthians 7 through 11, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, lists the gifts of the Spirit. But, you know, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, um, discerning of spirits, uh, you know, healing, gifts of healing, miracles, uh, faith, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. So the bottom line is uh, there's a lot of gifts of the Spirit, but there was a confusion in the Corinthian church. And they were out of order in different areas, and they didn't understand. So people would just speak in tongues, and there'd be no interpretation. They'd speak tongues like it was the gift of tongues. And remember, the gifts are to help who? The gifts are to help other people. The gifts aren't to help us. When I flow in a gift of, of, you know, of healing, let's say, that's to bring healing to that person. If I'm moving in a gift of prophecy, uh, as Ray did, uh, and she spoke that word, it's to bring either uh, comfort, uh, edification, or exhortation. And so, you know, it, it's to build the person up, to encourage, to, to help that person as God gives it. And it's the gifts are as the Holy Spirit wills. Now, uh, here's the thing that you have to understand. Uh, the next verse, and you can put this up, uh, actually, it's, uh, it's 1 Corinthians, well, actually, first of all, do we have, uh, there we go. What's the purpose of speaking in tongues? Now, this is where there's a lot of confusion. A lot of people have different reasons. They, they, think, the purpose, they think the purpose is to say, I've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not the purpose of, the, of speaking in tongues. Uh, you know, <laughs> that could be a purpose, but it's not the purpose. And so the purpose of speaking in tongues is very clearly outlined in the next verse, chapter uh, 
1 Corinthians 14.4. You can put that up. And here's the verse I want you to see. He or she who speaks in a tongue edifies who? Now, the gifts are always to edify or bring encouragement or help other people. This is to edify self. So praying or speaking in tongues is different than the gift of tongues. You've got to really understand this. It's important. The gifts are as the Holy Spirit wills and as we're willing to move in those gifts, whereas speaking in tongues, you can speak in tongues whenever you want to. You don't have to wait till the Holy Spirit moves on you. You can speak in tongues. You can speak in English. You can, you know, you can pray in tongues. You can pray in English. You can do that on your own. And so you don't have to wait till something happens. Uh, you don't have to wait to pray. You don't have to wait to pray in English. Uh, you don't have to wait till the Holy Spirit moves on you. You can pray at any time. Same thing with speaking in tongues. Uh, you can pray at any time. Now, uh, let's go a little further. I'm going to read uh, verse... Let's see, that's verse 4. Um, let's go to verse 5. Um, it says... I'm sorry, verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies... The latter part of the verse, which I did... Yeah, he who prophesies edifies who? The church or other people, okay? So that the prophecy is to, to help other people. Now he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So Paul isn't saying, ah, tongues aren't, you know, you don't need tongues, that's not important. He said, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but in the case of the church, you guys have it all wrong. I'm, I'm adding that, but that's what he was saying. Uh, he said, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Why? Anybody want to say why? What's that? Yeah, it edifies people. If I just stood up here and went, if I did that for the next half hour, you'd go, man, that was such a waste. I wish I hadn't gone to church tonight. It was a total waste. Now, that would edify me. I'd feel really edified. My spirit would be pumped up, and I'd walk out and say, honey, wasn't that a great service? And she'd say, no, it was horrible. <laughs> anyway, she wouldn't say that because she's very loving, but she'd say it wasn't very good. <laughs> anyway, uh, so... Uh, so anyway, it goes on to say, um, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with a tongue. Now, there's an unless here. Unless, indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. So in other words, if, if there's a gift of tongues followed by the gift of interpretation of tongues, what does that do? It brings edification. It's like a two-part prophecy. However, just, just praying in tongues, you know, as if it were a message... If somebody, I pray in tongues, somebody else prays in tongues, somebody else, I mean, brings a message. I'm not saying praise in tongues under their breath or just, you know, you can be obnoxious praying in English, you can be obnoxious praying in tongues. Uh, but the truth is, you know, it's really important to understand this because uh, this is one of the big misunderstandings. That's why CJ heard, you know, well, tongues, that's ridiculous. You're just making it up. And that's why other people heard, you know, you know anyway, there's just a lot of confusion. And even in the Corinthian church, there was a lot of confusion. Thank God there was, or we might not have gotten this, you know, this clarity. Okay, let's move on. But now, brethren, this is verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, make, they, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will, they be, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? 
for you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are, are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So in other words, the gifts of the Spirit are always to edify, to build up, to help. Whereas praying and speaking in tongues, who does that edify? Who does that build up? The person that is praying or speaking in tongues. Very important to see that distinction. Sadly, sometimes the church doesn't understand that. The church in general, not this church. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? At your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Now, Paul's going to great lengths to explain to the Corinthians the difference between if you're praying in a tongue, you're edifying yourself, but the gifts are for edification. And he's saying you've got to, if you, if you do bring a, you know, a message in tongues, it needs to be followed by interpretation. And otherwise, it, it doesn't help. He goes on to say, I, now here's what he says. If, if you stop right there, it sounds like tongues aren't very valuable. It sounds like they don't do much. But he doesn't say that. In the next verse, verse 18, he says, I thank my God, I, sweet, I speak with tongues more than y'all. Now, he was from southern Jerusalem, obviously, because... <laughs> but anyway, he said, I, th I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, the fact that, that has a dual meaning in the sense, I, I thank God that I speak in tongues more, I speak tongues more than, than you, you all do. Or... It, or he could, he, it also has a second meaning. I thank my God I speak with tongues. I thank my God. I'm, I'm more grateful to God that I speak in tongues more than, you, more than the rest of you. In other words, he's grateful, but he also says, I thank God I speak tongues more than you all. So, yet in the church, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in tongues. So he's trying to make this distinction because in the church they were so confused, you know, they, they just didn't get it. And so things were crazy and out of order and, and it was disruptive. And so it goes on to say, verse 20, Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Basically he's saying, you know, in evil, you know, be really immature, but when it comes to understanding the things of the Spirit, you need to be mature. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Now, therefore, tongues are a sign not to those who believe, but to the unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or, or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? <laughs> yeah, they probably will. But if all prophesy and 
an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he will he is convicted by all, and he is I'm sorry, he is convinced by all, and he is convicted by all. And thus the secret of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now I want to stop here for a second. I've gone pretty quickly. I've you know I've covered a lot of ground and you know quickly. Because Paul has just gone back over and over again the importance of edification and how the gifts of the Spirit need to be edified, how praying in tongues. He said, when, when we pray in a tongue, we speak mysteries to God. In other words, we're speaking mysteries. We don't understand what we're saying. And so we're speaking those mysteries to God. And, so, uh, and he also said, and praying in tongues edifies the self. Now I'm going to explain that in a little more detail in a minute. But first of all, I just want to ask if you have any questions, because I move quickly, because I want to get through almost the whole chapter here. So any, any questions at all, and no question is too silly or too out of it, because, uh, but everybody good. So you're all following with me? I'm not going too fast, because I'm going fast. Okay, good. So, so far, so good. Okay, let's move on to uh, verse 25. Uh, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a, a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, uh, has an interpretation. And again, when he says has a tongue, that means a message in tongues. That means the gift of tongue uh, to be interpreted. Uh, you know. And then, um, let all things be done for edification. In other words, building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be, and this is bringing forth a message. This isn't just speaking under your, you know, praying in tongues under, quietly under your breath or you know, to yourself or to God. Uh, in, in the story. It's not talking about that. But if there is no, uh, it says, oh, let, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two, two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. So when a prophet speaks, we're supposed to judge. We're supposed to judge what, what Ray said tonight. Uh, if, in other words, and by that, we're not judging her. We're not saying, Ray, you really screwed up tonight. Uh, we're not judging her in that way, but we're judging uh, in three ways. Did it line up with the word? Did it? Yep. Uh, was it either edifying, exhorting, or comforting? Yeah, it was. Uh, maybe we should be asking you. <laughs> anyway, uh, but, but, and the third thing is where we judge it is, it says, um, it says, let me see if I can find it. I'm not quite there yet. Uh, if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. And then it goes on to say, for you can all prophesy one by one, and that all may learn, and that all may be encouraged. In other words, everybody can prophesy, everybody can move in the gifts, everybody can pray in tongues. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So also, the spirit in which a prophecy is brought has to be correct. Now, did Ray bring that in the right spirit, do you think? You see, I can remember uh, there was some things in prophecy, this is back probably in the 80s, where people got off. <coughs> and they would use prophecy as a hammer <coughs> to come against somebody. They'd, 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 they'd hammer the person, and so it might be scriptural, but it was with the wrong spirit. And so the spirit of it was wrong behind it, and so as a result, it would bring condemnation to the person. It, would, it wasn't helpful. It wasn't the right spirit. It wasn't done in love. It wasn't done to build up the person. It was done to kind of correct them in the wrong way. 
And so, again, I saw prophecy used in the wrong ways, and yet, and I'm sure Paul also probably saw that, and he was trying to make sure that they were doing it in the right way. Um, anyway, it goes on to say, and, uh, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Now, I want to pause here for a minute. And uh, I just want to ask you, have you ever had an experience, maybe back, I feel like things are a lot better now in the area of prophecy, but back in the 80s, I can remember, I can remember somebody hammered me with a prophecy, and I thought, that's not, that's not right, it's not God. Has anybody had an experience like that, where, you know, prophecy was used perhaps in a wrong way, or, you know, did you experience something wrong? I guess I was the only one, okay. <laughs> yeah. There's a little girl raising her hand. So. Anyway, so, but again, it's, I, I think things have really changed, and I'm thankful for that. Okay, now, here's this next passage is really an interesting passage. And uh, again, you can follow with me. I'm, I'm, I'm at verse 34 now, and it says this. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Now, this has been used in the wrong way, I just want to tell you. I'm going to explain this. <laughs> Let your women keep silent in the churches. And some of the men went, amen, but please don't hear. Okay, for, the, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Now, that little phrase in there, let them ask their husbands at home, is a key phrase of what Paul was trying to get across. You see, what was happening is, in the early church, it was just like in the synagogues, the men were on one side, the women were on the other side. What was happening in the church services, the women would be, you know, yelling across to their husbands or to their, you know, you know well, something like this. And so Paul was trying to say, no, 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 you can't be yelling across, you know, to your husband, you know, what are we having for dinner after church? Now, you know, whatever they were asking. Or maybe it was a, a theological thing. And so... Uh, but this has been used in the wrong way. I can't get into this in detail, but uh, in uh, Timothy, it talks about women need to be, you know, be silent. Well, the word is heisukia in the Greek, and it doesn't mean that they can't talk. It's actually it, in that same verse, and I, I don't know, maybe I should take time to go there because, uh, I don't know, is this valuable to go there or should I just stay where I am? You want me to go there? Oh, thanks, okay. Uh, I'm going to have to find this verse now. I think it's in 1 Timothy. You can help me here if you know where it is, where it says women are to keep silent. I think it's 1 Timothy 2. It's where, um, yeah, this is it. Uh, I'm going to just read this to you. Therefore I exert, I exhort, first of all, that supplication, this is, I'm sorry, this is 1 Timothy 2.1. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all people for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. I can't remember whether it's quiet or peaceable, but one of those words is heisukia. And it's translated, I think it's peaceable uh, or quiet. It could be quiet. But one of those two words, I, I have it in my King, New King James Bible. I have it written in. So I don't know which of those words are, but one of them is. Then it goes on to say, and it's really the only time this is translated this way, showed the, it actually shows that the translators had a bias. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. 
For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ, not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles. I desire for that, that men pray, or people pray, it's not just, this is, the King James, New King James doesn't, it, it's not gender, I mean, when it says men, it usually means men or women. Um, I desire, therefore, that men and women everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath, and in like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, uh, you know, not braiding their hair with gold, and blah, 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 uh, which is proper for professing godliness. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man to be, be silent. Now, it's really interesting. What they're saying here is not that a woman can't, be, can't speak in church, although that's been used that way. It's saying that a woman is not to be out of order. And a man isn't either. I mean, it's a man and woman. Neither can be out of order. But it's saying that they can't be out of order. And they weren't saying that women can't speak in church. In fact, Priscilla and, you know, it says... Uh, Priscilla and Aquila were referred to. The first one referred to is the one that's the primary speaker, the primary person. Priscilla was the primary speaker. Aquila, her husband, was the secondary person. And so it's not wrong. It is wrong, though, for a person to be out from under authority and to do things that are out, out from under authority. And that, and that goes for a man, too. It's, it's just talking about women in this case. But this has been used to keep women from speaking in church. I was just talking to somebody recently. In fact, somebody I was counseling, they said, they were talking to this person, they said, oh, you, sh you women can't speak in church. And I went, the church that said tongues were the devil, uh, they were head covers, the women, and they wouldn't let the women ever speak in church. And I, I didn't know that. I wondered, I thought, why don't any, you know, because they'd have a time, there was a time where there'd be time for questions and everything and people would speak, but the women weren't allowed to ask anything or talk. I mean, it was really sad. And uh, again, things taken out of context. So, going back to 1 Corinthians 15, I, this, hopefully you can study this yourself, but, um, but it's fine for women to speak in church. It's fine, you know, anyway. Uh, it's, it's just sad how that's been used to keep women back. Okay, where, where am I? Does anybody remember? I don't either. <laughs> 1 Corinthians, what? 14.34, okay, thank you. That's it, yep. Let your women keep silent churches. Now, he wasn't saying that. What was happening is that they were causing a disruption because they were talking to their husbands, well, yeah, you know, back and forth over the thing. And so it was causing a disruption. Uh, and, and, then, and so it goes on to say, if they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home. It's shameful for women to be, you know, yelling out in the church service. And that's shameful for men too. But somehow it was the women that were... You know, I, you know what, for whatever reason. And so, but unfortunately, this has been used in the wrong way. If you take it in context, you understand it. Let me read, I'm going to read the message. Eugene Peterson does a good job on this uh, when he translates it the way he does. So I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 14 and, uh, whoops. Okay, I'm going to go to the message. And I'm just going to read the message, which sometimes the message is, is not very good. Uh, but lots of times the message picks up the spirit of what's being said really in a great way. And uh, let me see if I can find verse 34 here. 
Here's what it says. It, I, I really think it, he does a good job on this. Wives must not disrupt worship. Talking when they should be listening. Asking questions that could more appropriately be asked of their husbands at home. Um, God's book of law guides our manners and customs here. Wives have no license to use the time of worship for unwarranted speaking. Do you, both men and women, imagine that you are a sacred oracle determining what is right and wrong? Do you think everything revolves around you? So in other words, uh, this was a correction Paul was bringing that unfortunately has been used in the wrong way uh, in, you know, since that time. And, uh, okay, I'm going to go back to New King James, and we're going to finish this up. Uh, okay, now, here's what it says. Um, or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it, it, was it you only that it, that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all th things be done decently and in order. Now, we got through the whole chapter and I want to go back. Now, here's the question I want to ask. Um, I've told you that the purpose of speaking in tongues for prayer language or, per, you know, uh, personal prayer language is to do what? Edify ourselves. That means build up, to build up ourselves. Now, you say, well, how can praying in a language I don't understand, how can that build me up? Well, when I'm praying, here's the thing. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says, when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What does that mean? That means I don't understand. Because I'm speaking mysteries of God, I have no comprehension of what I'm saying. You say, well, how can that be valuable? That sounds ridiculous. Why would I want to do baby talk or, you know, whatever it sounds like? Why would I want to do that? How could that help? Here's how it helps. When I pray in a tongue, the Holy Spirit is actually praying through my human spirit. And so I am praying and I, it's, not being, it's not going through my intellect. It's not being processed through my intellect. You say, well, is that a good thing? Well, it is a good thing. Now, does that mean intellect is a bad thing? No, intellect is a good thing. However, the problem is when we're praying lots of times, you try to pray without ceasing. Paul said pray without ceasing. You try to pray without ceasing through your mind. It's very, very hard. You'll get a headache after about a half an hour to an hour. But you can pray in tongues and go on and on and on. And, you know, and then you can pray in English, you can pray in tongues, you can go back and forth. But praying in tongues, what it does is it edifies you. It builds you up in your spirit. One of the things I've found, too, when I pray in tongues, because it edifies my spirit, and the, the Word of God is understood spiritually, because it's a spirit-infused book, therefore it helps me to, to gain greater access and revelation to the spirit. I mean, to the revelation of the Word. It also gives me a greater ability to flow and move in the Spirit. It also helps me. When I was going through some intense anxiety in my life, praying in tongues really helped because it would actually take me out of that place where my mind was going crazy and my emotions were going crazy and would bring me to a place where my spirit could rise above that and it would really help me to, to really be able to, to keep my focus on God. It would help me to connect with Him. Now, do you need tongues to get into heaven? Absolutely not. 
This is a tool that God gives us. It didn't pass away. Some of you might have heard that it passed away. It didn't. I don't have time to take you through 1 Corinthians 13, 8, but it, and 8 to about 12, 13. If you read that, it's, and that's the, there's a one eisegeted passage in there that came out of the Reformation because they were trying to distance themselves from the Catholic Church, which at that time had fallen into degradation but believed in the, the supernatural. And so they tried to distance themselves, so they said the gifts of the Spirit all passed away. You know, once the church was formed, once the Bible became canonized, you know, there was no need for the, for, for, for the gifts of the Spirit or for the move of the Spirit or for tongues or any of that. Well, it's based on the scripture, when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. If you read that passage in context, I, can't, I don't have time to take you through it, but you'll see the perfect, when the perfect comes does not refer to the Bible, even though I believe the Bible is God's perfect word of God to us. Uh, you know, but it doesn't refer to that. It refers to when we see face to face. When are you going to see face to face? When you see Jesus. <laughs> so in heaven, there won't be any need for tongues. There won't be any need for gifts of the Spirit. And it says also, not only when we see face to face, but when we will know as, as, we, as we, <laughs> we, will know, we will know as we are fully known. There will be a time when we'll know as God. Right now, we're on earth. We don't know. We, we know in part. You know, we, we know things in part, but there will be a time when we're with God uh, that we'll, we'll know, we'll know and be fully known. So the bottom line is, it's important to know the gifts didn't pass away. And it's sad because the enemy has used that to block the, the, the power of God in the body of Christ. And so it's sad, but it's important for you to know that. And, you know, a lot of churches don't, and it's called cessation theology because it says, you know, tongues will cease. Knowledge will cease, um, you know, prophecy will pass away. But here's what you have to know. There's nothing in Scripture that backs that up. And eisegesis is when a Scripture is taken out of context and applied to the person's position that they hold. Exegesis is when you let the Scripture speak for itself in the context of all Scripture. Exegesis is powerful. Eisegesis is not because they're just taking a proof text to, to take their point, they're taking it out of context and therefore it really doesn't support the point when you read it in full context in the context of the word. So, I know I'm, I'm covering a lot of ground tonight. I didn't expect to cover this much, so I hope I'm not confusing you. So, let me pause for a minute here and let's talk about speaking in tongues. Now, uh, there's two primary reasons why people don't speak in tongues. Actually, there's more than that. Uh, one, one is there's people say it passed away. Well, if it passed away, then I'm not going to speak in tongues. Uh, other, you know, other people might not believe in it, so they don't believe there's any purpose in tongues, so why would I speak in tongues? That's another reason. But the two primary reasons when people know, well, there, this seems, okay, it's in the Bible, you know, maybe there's a purpose, maybe it could be helpful to me. <laughs> I was such a mess at 28 and a half, you know, I mean, you know my story, strung out on drugs, just a total mess. I needed all the help I could get. And so, God, I said, I want everything you have for me. So I wasn't, I wasn't entering, you know, and tearing certain pages out of my Bible because it didn't line up with what somebody else thought. I wanted everything. And so uh, I needed the power of the Holy Spirit because, as, as many of you have heard, I would have failed public speaking that I had to take in college had it not been for a weird series of events. So even just speaking in front of people was like, eh. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I needed the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, to me, I love to talk about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's so vital to my walk with, you know, with Jesus and with the Father. 
Uh, it's not just Jesus and the Father. I desperately need the third part of the, of the Godhead as well, the Holy Spirit. And I think we all do uh, because there's things we face in life that are bigger than we are. And how many know we need him? And so what I want to talk about, there's two, two things. I'm going to put it up. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. The first one is two main reasons. Number one is rejected by the analytical mind. What do I mean by that? Well, this is what I mean. I have uh, spoken a lot of YWAM bases. I've spoken here. I've spoken a lot of places <coughs> on this. And I have found that <coughs> when people, uh, people that are extremely analytical have trouble, a little trouble breaking through, but they get more help in the long run. If you're extremely analytical, and I'm fairly analytical, uh, if you're extremely analytical, you will f- experience analysis of paralysis, if you know what I mean. In other words, you analyze everything so much that it's hard for the Holy Spirit to, to get through. And, and, and so the good thing about tongues is it takes you beyond that analytical part of your brain. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> when I wrote my book, I was excited. Uh, when I wrote the book, Life in the Spirit, uh, I was excited to find uh, this article in the... <laughs> I'm going to try to read this without my glasses, which is going to be exciting. I'm not going to read the whole thing. An article published November 7, 2006 in the New York Times entitled... A Neuroscientific Look at Speaking in Tongues by Benedict Carey <coughs> details some startling scientific discoveries about speaking in tongues. Researchers at the University of Pennsylvania took brain images of five women while they spoke in tongues and found that their frontal lobes, the thinking, willful part of the brain, the analytical part of the brain, basically, through which people can control what they do and what they think, were relatively quiet as were the language centers. On the other hand, the regions involved in maintaining subconsciousness were very active. The women were not in blind trances and it was, it was unclear which region was driving the behavior. This supports that speaking in tongues goes beyond the intellectual centers of the brain. This research demonstrates a power that transcends the logical portion of the brain. So I want you to understand, uh, and that really backed up what the Lord had shown me and what the Word says, uh, because when I speak in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is not involved. It's unfruitful. And so the mind, if, it's, if you're strongly analytical, your mind doesn't want that to happen. It says, no, don't do that. I don't understand what you're saying. And so it tries to stop it. <laughs> and so that's what my mind did at first. And so I would pray, and, you know, it, it would help me. And, and finally, after, you know, I remember I would time myself for five minutes, and I'd look at my watch. I thought, I know I'm close to five minutes. I'd look, it had been 45 seconds, because my analytical part of my brain was trying to stop me. So what I want to say is that's number one. Now, number two, the number two reason, and, and uh, the number two reason is uh, expect the Holy Spirit to move the tongue and make sounds. So I prayed for people, and they're saying, and, and, uh, and they're going, well, nothing's happening. Now, let me ask you this. When you pray in English, do you have to move your tongue? Yeah. Well, guess what? When you pray in tongues, you have to move your tongue. If you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to take your tongue and move, uh, Jesus will return before that happens. And, he, and let me just say this. I spoke in tongues many years ago for the first time, and I have never, ever had a time where I was saying, gee, it was a beautiful day today. In other words, <laughs> the, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't take your tongue and make weird sounds come out. You have to do the speaking. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, 
it says, on the day of Pentecost, it says, uh, the Holy Spirit came and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. So they had to do the speaking. Same thing for you. If you want to speak in tongues, you have to do the speaking. Uh, I remember praying for a guy several years ago when we were back in the old church uh, in the warehouse. I prayed for this guy and he, was a, he had a scholarship to Juilliard Music. He was very strongly analytical, very gifted in music. <clears throat> I prayed for him, nothing happened. And I had this image of a, a microscope like attached to the cerebrum looking down at his tongue. And I said, I just said, this is what I see. He goes, that's what it feels like. I, I want to I pray in tongues, but I can't. <coughs> he called me. It was either the next day or the next day. In the middle of the night, he woke up praying in tongues in the middle of the night. Now, why do you think? Yeah, because that conscious part of the brain, the frontal lobe, was relaxed, the subconscious, and he wanted to, and he prayed in the middle of the night. He woke up, prayed in tongues, and he ended up going down, he, uh, down to Arizona, became a worship leader there, and he said tongues was the thing that freed him, allowed the giftings to be used because it freed him from his overanalysis. So, again, uh, tongues is very helpful. Is it the be-all, end-all? No, it's just helpful. Uh, it's helpful, you know, just... I mean, tonight, before I spoke, I was praying in tongues. Back in the, in the prayer room there, I just spent some time just praying in tongues, just to get edified, just to ask the Lord to connect and help to speak through me tonight and, and bring, you know, bring this. So, uh, last thing I want to show you uh, is, uh, we'll put up the, put up the, the uh, what's the prerequisite for speaking in tongues? The only prerequisite for speaking in tongues is being a believer. And I know some people say, well, you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you have to do this, or you have to do that. Well, I'm going to give you the words of Jesus. In fact, it's Mark, go ahead, put up the next slide. Mark 16, 17, right at the end of the chapter, it says, these signs will follow those who what? Who what? These signs will follow those who believe. It doesn't say these signs will follow those who, you know, are baptized in the Spirit. And I believe in the baptism of the Spirit, I'm not saying that. Uh, these signs will follow those who are special people. These signs will follow those who are really committed to Jesus. It doesn't say any of that. Okay? You've got to be born again, obviously. Uh, You've got to be a believer. And so the primary, the only prerequisite is being a believer in Jesus Christ. And if, that, if that's the case, it says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons. Now, you don't have to have, you know, if you know your authority in Christ, you're a believer, you can have authority over demons. It also goes on to say, and they will speak with new tongues. And so that's the, that's the prerequisite. And then at the, right at the end of this passage, it says they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now, we know it's not just pastors and evangelists and, you know, that can lay hands on the sick. We know that anybody can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. A believer can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I've seen some of the greatest miracles I've seen are by, as, as uh, my friend Randy Clark says, they're by no names, people that they don't know their name. And some of the greatest miracles happen through just people like you and like us. And so important to see that. So I'm going to stop, going to ask if you have a question, and then I'm going I'm to just pray for anybody. I'm going to let you go, and then I'm going to pray for anybody that would like to speak in tongues, and uh, we'll give you an opportunity. I'm going to give two, two opportunities. If you have spoken in tongues at one time, but you're not fluent, and you'd like to be more fluent, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward. You can pray in tongues without coming forward, but I have found, you know, if you take that step of faith and come forward, uh, people pray in tongues a lot easier. I've been doing this for a long time, and usually the percentage of people after I've taught on this, and I do a lot longer teaching than this, 
uh, and it's in the book here. By the way, I do have a few copies of the book I brought if you, didn't, if you haven't gotten one of those yet. And, uh, and so here's what I want to say, though. Uh, usually the percentage of people that, that pray in tongues is about 90%. And I'm not trying to pump that up. Um, in fact, the last time we were in Colorado Springs, it was 100%, which doesn't always happen. But, but then the other people that, you know, came forward, usually they'll let me know later that they spoke in tongues. It just, they were, whether they were self-conscious or whether they were very analytical, whatever it is. So, anyway, um, any questions before I give you an opportunity to speak in tongues? Yes? A word of knowledge? Okay, do it quick because I don't want to disrupt. Okay. Did, okay, this is, did someone have a breathing issue, you said? Somebody have a breathing issue, shortness of breath? Okay. Do I see anybody? No. Okay. Oh, there, somebody in the back. Okay. Okay, so I'll tell you what, you can pray with her after we do this, okay? It's, it's Stephanie in the back with glasses, okay? Good. Okay. So, here's what we're going to do. Um, and again, some of you have probably heard this teaching, and many of you speak in tongues, I know that. But if you would like to speak in tongues, I find that when you get the revelation, it's good to jump at it at that point and not wait and say, well, I'll just go another time. Well, I'll just do it on my own. It's just kind of being lazy. So, I'm going to ask uh, if you would like, let me just say, if you would like to speak in tongues or become more fluent, would you just raise your hand where you are? Okay. Okay, we got one there, we got one, two in the back, okay, okay, now I got, there's another, okay, so here's the deal, usually when I, when I was speaking to a lot of people, I have everybody come forward, we can, I'm just going to dismiss and let you come up so there's no pressure on you, I don't want you to feel pressure on this, so what I'm going to do is, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to pray for you, I'm gonna, and you're going to pray for Stephanie in the back, it's the very last row, uh, girl, a lady with glasses. Uh, I'm going to pray for you, and uh, I just want to tell you thank you for letting me share this with you. I, 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 I love this topic. I love the things of the Spirit, and uh, I love you. So, Father, I just thank you for each and every person tonight within the sound of my voice, and even those that may be streaming tonight, I just speak great blessing over them. And, Lord, I ask you to just, just touch each and every person. Help us all, Lord to really press into you because the connection with you is everything. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that you live in us and that you empower us to go far beyond our own natural abilities to really make a difference in this world. And so tonight we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen.